Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kid Missing Radio. I'm your host, Angelina Wilson. And joining me is Kelly Bruce. <coughs> Pardon me. She runs two Facebook pages for Brian Schaefer. Brian Schaefer was a young man who vanished from a bar. Um, the Tuna Saluna? Uh, ugly Tuna Saluna. Ugly Tuna Saluna. That is so funny to me. In Columbus, <laughs> Ohio, near the campus of Ohio State University, where he was a medical student. And he had planned a trip to Miami with his girlfriend a few days later. That's why I have a hard time believing that he may have vanished on his own. Um, there's also the theory of the smiley face serial killers. Watched a whole multi-week documentary on that. That's a whole other can of worms. Um, but I would like to ask Kelly how she got involved with the case and what she can tell us about when he vanished. Um, I've actually been following Brian's case pretty much since right after he went missing. Um, I didn't do much investigating on it until probably like the last four years. And that's when I became friends with Lori Davis, um, She's actually the Safer Family Advocate for Missing Persons, and um, she got me started on all of this. Um, I started with Come Back, a podcast about Brian Safer, and I had a co-host named Nick, and we had some different things come up in our personal lives that allowed us, or didn't allow us to continue the show. So I went on and created Missing in Ohio and continued to investigate Brian's disappearance. Okay, now, sadly, three weeks before Brian disappeared, his mother succumbed to cancer. Yes, she did. She passed away um, after a long battle. Brian was very close to his mother, and he took it very hard. And on top of her passing away, he was also studying for finals at that time, too. So there was a lot going on in his life uh, right before he disappeared. Yeah, stress with a capital S. Um, do we know what kind of doctor he wanted to be? We know that his girlfriend at the time, who everybody says he was going to marry, um, is now an OBGYN. Do we know what kind of doctor Brian wanted to be? <clears throat> you know, I do, and I'm sorry I'm in the car. I don't have my notes with me right now to give you that answer. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, now... The odd thing about his situation is that for some reason he was never seen leaving the bar on surveillance. He wasn't. And actually, after talking to a lot of people, I think that it was the media that kind of just grabbed on to the disappearance and the Houdini act of not being picked up on the camera and just kind of ran with it and made it more than it actually was that if you speak to the investigators, I mean, everyone involved in this case believes that Brian made it out of that building. Um, they're just not sure how. There were cameras malfunctioning that night. There was one that a manual override was hit. Um, there were several exits that actually didn't even have 
a camera on it. So there are many different ways that he could have gotten out of that building without being picked up on camera. Oh, really? Of this yes. I was not aware. Um, he was with a friend that night. Now, it's my understanding that him and the friend were bar hopping, and a female, Meredith, I believe her name was, picked them up and took them back to the Ugly Tuna Saluna, <laughs> where they had been before, where they had started their evening. And a Meredith and Clint took off without looking for him, assuming that he left. Why would you ever leave your friend? I don't understand that. Um, okay, so I always felt that way, too, and actually in – the past couple of months, we have found out that it wasn't just Clinton Meredith that was out with Brian that night. There were several other medical students that were out, too. Um, Clinton and Meredith were the ones he actually arrived at the bar with, so I think that's why it's said that way. He um, walked away to speak to the two girls that we see on camera at 1.55 a.m., and then at that point in time, Clint and Meredith were leaving at 2 a.m., and they couldn't find him when they searched for him. So they went ahead and left. And then at 2.01, just outside of the Ugly Tuna Saluna, Meredith used Clint's phone to call Brian to see where he was, but it went straight to voicemail. So they did actually kind of look for him, just not for very long. Yeah. Um, I want to mention, if Brian is out there, Brian was a fan of the band Pearl Jam. He had a tattoo on his right arm for the band, um, the lead singer of Pearl Jam in a in a show actually um, put up Brian's picture and asked people to, to call if they knew anything, which I thought was really cool. Um, Pearl he was Jam has not, been amazing through this, and he was not a small man. He was six foot to one hundred and sixty to one hundred and seventy pounds. Correct. I have a feeling you could have taken care of himself. Now, I have seen varying reports about a reward. Is this still an active reward in this case? No, there's not. Um, oh, okay. Crime Stoppers was originally who held his reward money, and we didn't know at, that, at the time when we started investigating Brian's disappearance that there was no reward offered, and we had talked about it many times. Well, when we called Crime Stoppers to talk to them, they told us that rewards actually expired. Fire. And then after so long, then they are allocated to different missing persons cases, and the reward money is used in different ways. Oh. Something else I didn't know. Yeah, I had no now, clue about that either. I didn't know a reward would expire at all. Now, it is, it was, it's also been said and again, this is in the media, and I know media gets things wrong from time to time. Big shocker. Um, <laughs> um, it seems as though he was talking to the band near the end of the night. Did police interview band members to see if he told them anything that might give them a clue? They did actually interview the band. However, the only people that say that he went to speak to the band were Meredith and Clint, and the band mm -hmm. has no recollection of ever speaking to him or seeing him for that matter. 
Really? Mm. Yes. Makes you wonder. After right. he disappeared, <laughs> someone kicked in the door to his apartment. Now, he disappeared on, I didn't write down the date. It was April 1st, 2006. Right, March 31st into April 1st, like the middle of the night. Um, on May 11th, left. his door was kicked in, and at least the TV and DVD player were missing. Well, those things you would notice because there's a gaping hole in the entertainment center, but you might not notice smaller things missing. You know? I agree. And actually, the apartment break-in has always been a bit of a question for me. Even though CPD doesn't think that it's relevant to Brian's disappearance at all, it's like I said, it's always been a question to me. And I've always wondered what else could have been missing. My main thing that I always wanted to know that was missing was his cell phone charger. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what my mother and I spoke about. Did someone take his charger? Because all of a sudden... His phone started ringing again, um, and it it pinged. Uh, oh, yes, it did. It pinged um, a tower in Hilliard, Ohio. And recently yeah, we Hilliard. found out that there were actually more than one ping, but I, I don't know any more information on that yet. It's something that we just started researching within the past two weeks. So he... Um, okay, it pinged in Hilliard, and it said that's 15 to 20 minutes away. Now, is that between Columbus and Wooster, or is it south? Um, no, it would be uh, a little bit west of Columbus, I believe. It's actually not very far from, like you said, like 15 minutes away from where he went missing. Yeah, because I know Wooster is north, and then Toledo would be northwest. Right, yeah, this is um, closer to Columbus, so it's a good ways away from Wooster and Toledo. Yeah, it's, I think the gentleman I know of that's in Wooster said it's like an hour and a half to Columbus or something. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's probably close to about two hours, yes. Um, yeah, and that was in September when his phone was ringing. Somebody had to have had a charger. You know, singular wireless can say what the heck they want, but your phone doesn't live without a charger from um, April to September. Exactly, so, and especially if you think back to 2006, the chargers weren't universal. No, they weren't. And we were discussing that, too, because that was actually the – phone company my mother had back then. No, the chargers were had a plug that was more like a headphone jack type plug back then. Exactly. Right? And I mean yeah. it's not like today where you can just use one charger for multiple phones. Each phone had their own unique charger. Right. Today if you got a lightning cable you can charge any iPhone. Exactly. If Micro USB, most Androids are all set, except there is the newer Galaxies take a USB C. So, which is the newest plug. Um, and interestingly, on October 2nd, 2008, 
someone oh i should i should mention by the way that his father was killed two years later in a freak accident it was a windstorm he was outside and a branch came down smacked him on the head and killed him that's pretty awful yes it is and randy was actually Brian's biggest advocate. He did such a wonderful job of keeping Brian's face in the media and doing searches and just different things like that. I mean, he left no stone unturned when it came to looking for his son. Yeah. And on October 2nd, 2008, someone claiming to be Brian in the Virgin Islands posted a condolence message on his father's obituary page. The post was traced to a public computer in Franklin County, Ohio. Now, how far is Franklin County from where we're talking about? Franklin County is Columbus. Oh, okay. The only thing that I knew for sure was Wooster is Wayne County, because I was just looking at a map So, before we went on. Um, so it's the same county. Well, that's weird. They should have been able to use surveillance at the Internet Cafe or whatever it was um, to find out who did it. it. Yeah, it was actually a public library, and um, I have asked, um, yeah, I asked Detective Don Hurst this, and he said that um, there were cameras in the area, but either they weren't working or they were false cameras. Um, I was reading some things, some quotes from Clint's lawyer. Clint's lawyer is an unfeeling jerk. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That just didn't, uh, his quotes did not go over well with me. You're talking about someone's missing child here. But anyway. Um, I haven't had the pleasure of speaking with him. I have reached out to him, but I haven't heard back from him. I was a little confused by some of his quotes, too. Yeah. I'm not really sure where his information came from on that or why he made those statements, I, but I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, before Brian's well, actually, I guess right after he passed away, it got passed. But Brian's dad and other parents of Ohio missing adults got a bill passed to have a statewide protocol for missing adults. Um, I sure hope that, that goes nationwide because we need better ways of dealing with missing adults nationwide. Um do you know anything about that? Um, well, I know that I have been talking to um, Todd from NamUs right now, Todd Matthews, sorry, and we have actually been discussing getting laws passed in different states, and it's already been passed in Tennessee, and he sent me an outline of the law, and we're hoping to get it passed in every state, which um, him and I had even discussed the fact that if we get it passed, it will be called Brian's Law. It'll require things such as, like, after 10 years, with no information or the case being cold, for it to be reopened, 
and looked at with fresh eyes. It'll also require uh, law enforcement to actually use Lamus and the DNA and, you know, the Doe network and things like that. So I think the law will be really good if it gets passed. And like I said, you can go online and you can read the um, Tennessee outline, and I can actually forward that to you, too, if you'd like to see that. Yes, I would. Um, has Meredith been questioned? We know Clint's been questioned extensively. Um. Meredith has been questioned. Actually, um, I have not spoke with her, but I have spoke to John Hurst, and I have spoke with um, Don Corbett, who is the private investigator, and they both told me that, you know, she was cooperative, that she gave statements. She actually took and passed a polygraph with no deception. So, I mean, that's really as much as of, as I know about her involvement with law enforcement and questioning, but everyone says that she was very forthcoming. Okay. I have a question. Why the high okay. holy hell was Clint in Brian's apartment for six hours the next day? Okay. I know that you read that from uh, Mel Magazine, and that has always bothered me greatly, too. That's actually not true. Oh. Um, we don't know where that information came from or that statement, and I have checked. I read it in an article. But... Yeah, I've checked with CPD and um, Don Corbett, and both said that Clint was not there, and we do not know where that magazine or article got that information. Um. Okay, somebody said, and it's probably whoever you just named that I read the article from that I didn't hear, that Clint asked for immunity in exchange for cooperation. What? <laughs> um, this is kind of why I started the podcast, because there's so much false information out there. Um, that's actually not true either. He didn't ask for immunity at all. Um, from what I understand, I believe that someone approached Clint and wanted to know if he would speak if he was offered immunity, but it was never suggested by Clint that he would speak if he got immunity. Yeah, I'm glad we're getting, you know, falsehoods cleared up, you know, getting the fallacies out of the way so we can get to the truth, you know. Now, did Clint move afterwards back to Michigan or Tennessee? I read both. Um, he moved to, it was uh, almost a year later or about a year later, he moved to Vanderbilt. Um, that's where he continued his education. Oh, in Tennessee, okay. Because mm -hmm. then they said, well, there was a body found in Michigan not far from where he was from or whatever. And they were asking for it to be compared to Brian. I well, actually have, um, I work Good. with um, Ohio BCI a lot, and I actually sent them a couple of John Doe's that had popped up or that it has always been questioned through the years if it could be Brian. And they actually ran one for me that was out of Pennsylvania, and initially it came back, and it couldn't be excluded based on the dental, but that's because the John Doe didn't have a lot for them to work with. But um, so they sent it to NamUs to do 
a DNA comparison, and then they were able to rule out it wasn't Brian. So when they did run Brian's DNA, it doesn't just run them against the person they are checking. It runs them against the system. So if yeah. if any of the John Doe's that are in the system would be Brian, we would know by now. That's true. Um, and his DNA is in CODIS, correct? It is, yes. Um, did police question employees or other patrons at any of the bars that they stopped at, or especially the Ugly Tuna Saluna? They did. Um, according to Sergeant Hurst, they spoke to over 100 people. They even went wow. as far as, I'm sure, when you're reading, you heard about the orange sweater guy. Um there was this guy that kept going up and down the escalator on the surveillance video. So they decided to bring him in or locate him, and they were able to find him and bring him in. But, yeah, they spoke to over 100 people, and no one knows much of anything. Now, obviously Brian wasn't caught on surveillance when he left. You know what time Clinton Meredith left. Does that mean they were caught on surveillance when they left? They were. Um, actually, they went down the escalator to leave at 2 a.m., and then at 2.01, they called Brian's phone, or I should say Meredith called Brian's friend uh, from Clintstone, and then at 2.09, they are seen pulling out of the parking garage. So, yeah, they're filmed even driving down the street and everything. They were able to see which direction they were going and everything. So, yeah, they are definitely on multiple cameras. <coughs> To me, that would rule them both out because he had to have left. He ha would have had to have left with them if they committed any sort of foul play. So to me, that rules them out. I think that there were a lot of options and ways that Brian could have gotten out of that building, and I think that yeah. there are a lot of other people that could have given him a ride to. Yeah. Um, was there a homeless man that reported seeing him four days later? There was. Um, he was behind uh, United Dairy Farmers, just down the street, actually, from the Ugly Tuna Saluna, and he saw this guy eating a sandwich, and he, who he assumed was Brian, and he looked at him and said, hey, man, people are looking for you. The homeless man said that the guy kind of just looked at him confused and turned and walked away. Huh. Do you think it was Brian? I'm not sure. The past couple months I've been putting a lot more weight into his words because I do feel that there is a strong possibility that Brian's wise. So I have looked into it a little bit, but from what I have heard, it's not he wasn't necessarily um, the most credible source, and from what I hear, could have even been intoxicated at the time. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the people who are living on the street have substance abuse issues. Right. So. It, I mean, it's Unfortunately, there are a lot of sightings of missing persons all the time, and people mean well, but a lot of time usually passes between, and maybe who they think they saw isn't 
you know, what they actually seen, but it looks more like him because so yeah. much time has passed. Yeah, and eyewitness testimony is the worst. <laughs> exactly. There are a lot of people in jail who could vouch for that. <laughs> that did absolutely nothing except look exactly. like the bad guy. So <laughs> if you want to know more about this case, you can go to Kelly's page, facebook.com forward slash where's Brian Schaefer. That's B-R-I-A-N-S-H-A-F-F-E-R. You can also go to Wikipedia, The Disappearance of Brian Schaefer. Um, and, of course, The Missing in Ohio podcast. Which Yeah, and we are actually uh, creating a new podcast for Brian, too. Um, it's an investigative series. It's called Brian Schaefer, Dead or Alive, because that's the biggest question that everyone has when it comes to him. And we are hoping to get our first episode out within the next couple of weeks. Yes, and Kelly was nice enough that she's going to allow me to be on her podcast, so that'll be fun. Right. You are going to be on the next episode. Huh? What did you say? I'm sorry. I said you will be on the next episode. Very cool. And I will be sure and post a link on my website, um, it's googlesite.com forward slash kidmissing2 because <laughs> it was the second incarnation of the site. Um, I actually had my website since 2003. I will also post it on Facebook. I will post it on the Kid Missing Radio Facebook page, which is where you'll be able to find the link to this once it's up. And I can post the link to your um, podcast as well if you send me one. Okay, yeah, I can definitely do that. Great. Thank you so much. I I so appreciate that. <coughs> um, is there anything else? Wait, before I ask you that, have has anybody contacted Disappeared? Because this seems like a case made for them. Several stations um, throughout the years, including ID, has reached out and wanted to do stories on Brian, and then they seem to back out, and I'm not exactly sure the reason, but they usually really? back out towards the end. Yeah, now ID Go did actually cover him on a short 10 or 15-minute segment not long ago, but he hasn't yeah. had an actual show, like, disappeared or anything like that. I mean, since the Dateline yeah. thing, like, six weeks after he went missing. Yeah, I saw the Dateline thing. Um, that's available on YouTube. It's about ten minutes long. Mm-hmm. So. But it was interesting how they went through the footage and they showed him talking to the two girls. and They did a very good job. So if folks want to see it again, it's on YouTube. If you just look for Brian Schaefer, you will find it. Also, yeah, there folks, are tons of videos on there about <clears throat> it. Um, that's true. Also, folks, remember you can help in these cases by making sure that if you've done your family DNA, you know, your family tree type DNA, that you upload it to GEDmatch and you opt in. 
so that the police can use your DNA to find a missing person, identify an unidentified person, and give someone closure. Not that there is ever true closure, but... I'm sorry if you can't hear me, but having an asthma attack so I can barely talk. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. I use my inhaler when I'm done. (laughs) We have a minute and 45 seconds left. I was just going to ask you to to sort of make Brian real for us. Tell us what you know about Brian the person. From what I understand about from everyone else, because obviously I didn't know Brian, is that he was kind of a free spirit, just went with what he wanted to do at you know in the moment and he went from wanting to be in a band to wanting to be a tennis player to wanting to be a doctor I mean he was just kind of like I said a free spirit he was very very close to his mother he was very good in medical school and got good grades now I mean they weren't like stellar grades but he got really good grades in medical school I know his last grade was an 82 he, he really loved music a lot based on things that I've read and things that people have told me, and definitely Pearl Jam. I mean, that was big for him. He actually had purchased tickets for a show a couple months after he went missing that they didn't get to go to, obviously. Yes, I remember um, reading that. Yeah, they actually ended up uh, auctioning off the tickets on eBay and then added that to his reward fund. So I think that Brian was just a very intelligent person with a very prominent future ahead of him. And it's sad that it has been over 13 years and the Schaefer family still doesn't have answers. Yeah, and his poor brother is now has no family. Yes, he does. Um. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Our time just expired. Thank you for having me uh, on. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Um, my thoughts and prayers are with the people in the Gulf right now. Um, I want to say goodbye to you. I want to say goodbye to everyone listening. I want to thank everybody for listening. Goodbye, good night, and God bless. Thanks, Angelina. Goodbye. Goodbye. Very welcome.